0: I'd like to welcome everyone who's joining us uh, by the live stream uh, here at City Temple. It's just one part of our service uh, that we have every Sunday here at City Temple. And there's information on your screen. If you'd like information for how to join our entire service via Zoom or in person, uh, you can contact us at that email address. I encourage you, if you have your Bible with you, let's turn to three places in the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 then Galatians chapter 5, and finally Titus chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 12, Galatians 5, and Titus chapter 2. And before we read, let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I pray, Father, in the power of your Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to us your word this day and enable us to live it out, Lord, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me so I could bring your word to your people boldly and faithfully to the glory and honor of Jesus. For we pray it all in his name. Amen. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to pick up where Paul is talking about spiritual gifts and he's talking about the church as the body of Christ. Uh, and we're going to read a portion of that beginning with verse 12. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. For if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Or if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in one body, each of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And then let's go to Paul's letter to the Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. Again, just reading a small portion there, uh, verses 13 and 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then finally, to Titus. The Titus is a <clears throat> church leader that Paul was writing to. And again, the second chapter there, starting with verse 11. and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Hallelujah. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, we've been talking the last few months in this series. I I called it Forget Normal. Forget Normal. Dive into different And, you know, I wanted to say a lot of things about normal uh, that used colorful language that's entirely inappropriate in a sermon. Uh, So I thought forget normal was the most polite thing that I could say about it. Uh, But, you know, we really do need not to, to want to go back just to the way things were. We need to forget normal. I don't want a new normal right now. I don't think the world is ready for a new normal yet. I want to forget normal because, frankly, normal was all messed up before COVID. COVID didn't make the world messed up. All that COVID did was expose how our normal was so messed up in the first place. It exposed how our economy is all messed up how the rich were getting richer and, and, and those who, who were not even poor, you know, those who are in the middle incomes and, and, and lower were actually getting, getting poorer. And it wasn't uh, balanced. It wasn't good. It, it was built on dishonest weights and measures. You know, we, we, we've seen the dysfunction in our national governments uh, all around the world. Uh, and it's even exposed how messed up many churches were. Uh, in the normal, Uh, how churches weren't really functioning as God had intended them to, how churches weren't really embracing the way of Jesus Christ and living out uh, what God had called them to do. For example, one of the big areas that uh, this, this COVID pandemic has exposed is what I would call a crisis of belonging in churches. Uh, And this crisis had been occurring for many, many years where people really, even though they said, hey, I'm a member of the church, I belong to the church, they weren't really behaving like they belonged. They weren't really behaving like that they were a part, that many Christians were in the church just for for themselves, to, to live out their own selfishness. You know, they were coming on Sunday just to hear a word for themselves, to bless them. Uh, They'd give some of their money just because they expected that they might get a blessing out of that. But there wasn't really a deep connection to the life of Jesus Christ. There wasn't a deep connection to the body of Christ. And so consequently, people would hop from church to church to church to church, much like many people today hop from bed to bed to bed to bed. And we can see this belonging crisis uh, and how COVID exposed this. It's very interesting how many, and in some places the estimate is upwards of 50%. Uh, I've heard some, somewhere that big, as small as 25%, but a large percentage of people who during the lockdown not once participated in a church service. Now, they didn't turn on a live stream, they didn't join in a Zoom service. They didn't do anything. They just used it as a holiday from church. It shows that they really didn't have a proper sense of belonging. Or another dynamic. You know, a lot of churches saw their, their giving fall off dramatically. I'm so thankful in our church, as I, as I mentioned earlier in the service, of how people have maintained their giving. I mean, to me, that demonstrates a real sense of belonging. But in, in many places, unless they came to a Sunday service and were ber- berated for a half hour about how they needed to give more, people weren't giving, and they stopped giving as soon as that kind of thing stopped haf- happening. We have a lot of people who have just stopped following Jesus As a disciple, they don't do the Christian things that they were doing before uh, the lockdowns happen. And it showed that a lot of people were trying to belong without having the necessary commitment. And what it showed me for a lot of people is that they don't really understand how important belonging is and what belonging actually means. I'd like to tell you, we will not go into the fullness of what God has for us. We will not dive into the different that God has unless we really understand, embrace, and live out the belonging that we have in our lives. And part of the problem with all of this is that many people have a mistaken notion of freedom. You know, thinking that the freedom that we have in Jesus means that I can do whatever I want to do. You know, I'm free, uh, and so that way I can go to whatever church I want to go to. I, I can marry whoever I want to marry. I can have whatever job I want to have. I can give whatever I want to have. You know, I, I, I'm free there, and so nobody can constrict me. Nobody can uh, hold me back. And this, quite frankly, is a mistaken notion of freedom from a biblical standpoint. I'll talk more about that in a moment. But clearly, Jesus has made us free. We are free in Christ Jesus. That is absolutely true. But our freedom is a freedom to belong, if you will, not some false notion of independence. And you see that in what Paul said there in Galatians. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Hey, that's good news. We're called to freedom. We are free. We're free from sin. We don't have to sin. We don't have to give in to the world. Uh, We don't have to fear death. We are free. But he says, he turns around, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, don't use your freedom to live independently and selfishly. But instead, through love, use your freedom to serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is about, it's a verse about living out our belonging, our connection in Christ Jesus. We really cannot dive into God's different by ourselves. We only dive into this different as people who know and embrace our belonging in Christ Jesus. Now, to do that, we first need to know and affirm why belonging is so important. God created us for belonging. God created us as social beings. And so our belonging is very, very important. Belonging is where we get our our identity, And by belonging, we're really talking about just this kind of connection that we have to one another, a connection that is deep, a connection that we enter into that we can't easily uh, extract ourselves from. But our belonging gives us our identity. In our belonging, we discover who we are. It's one of the interesting things I ask people all the time. I say, did you pick your name? And with maybe one exception, I've never met a person who's picked their own name. Who picked your name? Your parents, the people that you belong to. They picked your name. My name is Woods. It, it, it says my family. It says who, to whom I belong is in my name. The first name Rod uh, is a name I've never liked it's not my favorite. I, you know, I try to come up with, you know, I, I like the Spanish thing, and you know, I like Rodrigo. Now that sounds exciting. I could go for that, you know. You know, just about anything in Spanish sounds good, I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, but, but that's my name. It's part of my identity. It's part of who I am. And it goes beyond our family. You know, as Karen was saying earlier to the kids, I mean, we get some of our identity from our, our sports teams. And boy, I tell you, I never really understood that until I came to the UK and saw how people were attached to their, their football teams. And boy, you just don't mess with somebody's football team. Uh, and you don't put a Liverpool fan and a Manchester United fan in the same room. Uh, it, it, sparks will fly. Uh, and it's funny that people who grow up favoring a particular team very rarely shift their allegiance to another team. Quite Interesting. Uh, The nation that we're part of, we get a large sense of our identity from our nation. Even our church helps us to establish our sense of who we are. Belonging, uh, it gives us a sense of our identity. Also, belonging is something that helps us to know our significance, security, and acceptance. Uh, we, We understand, you know, I understood as a child that I was significant, because of my belonging to my parents. And also the way my parents uh, dealt with me helped me to understand you know, whether or not I was accepted, gave me a sense of security. Now, ultimately, we find all of that as we belong in Jesus Christ, that only through a relationship with Jesus Christ do we have the ultimate sense of significance, security, and acceptance, but that comes to the fact that we belong to Jesus. We are connected with Jesus eternally. And because of that, we have our significance, security, and acceptance. Belonging is also something that will help us experience personal wholeness. You cannot be a complete person without belonging. You cannot be a complete person without belonging. As the poet says, no man is an island. We all have to belong to find our wholeness. And really, the only ultimate way that we find wholeness as people is to belong to Jesus Christ and to belong to his people, the church. Belonging is essential to our personal wholeness. One of the the biggest indicators of brokenness in our world are adults who never really had a sense of belonging as children. You think about it, many of the problems we deal with in the world today come because somebody who's an adult now did not have a whole sense of belonging when they were a child. Belonging also helps us to discern what is really meaningful and valuable in our lives. It's how we discern what is really meaningful and valuable. To me, Karen is more valuable than any other woman because I belong to her. She is my wife. She belongs to me. I belong to her. And I discover her value. I discover how much she means to me because we belong together. But that even applies to things that might seem kind of silly. Like, think about this. Family heirlooms. I know that there were some things that uh, when my mom passed away, that she left, and there were some things that my sister took and some things that I took, and because you know we had to bring stuff over here to the UK, uh, there wasn't a lot uh, that I could bring and had to fit in a suitcase, but there are certain things like certain dishes that we have that for many people would be utterly worthless. But to me, they have meaning and value because of belonging. And that's true not only with things like family heirlooms, it's true in just about every area of our life. Belonging is also something that helps us to discern who is really relationally present and connected to us. Uh, And when we know that people are present to us when we know that people are connected to us. You know, for example, I, I'm surrounded by people in our residential community right now. We're not closely surrounded because they're physically distancing. Uh, but uh, I'm surrounded by people in our community right now, and I know that they belong to me and I belong to them because I can, I can see them. They are present to me, they are connected to me. Uh, The same was true as a, a child when I was growing up. I knew my mom, I knew my dad because they were present to me. They were connected to me. Now this is important because when we have an understanding of people who are present to us and connected to us, it actually allows us to extend our relational presence and our connection to other people in healthy ways. Let me give an example. This is, I know it's a big concept to kind of get your head around. So let me give you a, a rather simple example. The example is that of a child. Now we know this from child psychology. That if a child in the, in the earliest years of a child's life, say birth to three, four, five years old, if that child is relationally connected to Her parents. In other words, the parents are present in the child's life. The the parents take time to connect themselves with the child and give that child a sense of being connected to them as mom and dad. So there's a real healthy dynamic there that begins to grow up. As that child gets older, the child will be able to form healthier relationships because of the healthy relationship that child had with her parents. And we know this is true. It is a fundamental thing. Uh, Children who have that healthy connection with their parents, the parents are present, relationally connected to the child as they're growing up. The child gets a sense of their security, their acceptance, their significance. Because of that, that enables the child to relate to others in a more healthy way. A healthier way. That's true in the church. If somebody has a healthy connection with other believers in the body of Christ, a real healthy connection, they will always be better at sharing the gospel than people who do not. Now, right now in the world, we got a lot of people. A lot of people who, who like to do evangelism, but they have no real connection to the body of Christ. There's no healthy connection with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you are evangelizing without a healthy connection to your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you win people to Christ, those people will not grow on to become healthy and mature followers of Jesus. And we see it all around us. We see it all around us. So we need to have that belonging because it helps us discern who is relationally present and connected to us, which allows us to extend ourselves to other people, to build relationships with them. Now, belonging also is something that trains us and disciplines us so that we live more richly and more effectively. Now, as a child, you grow up and your parents are the ones that teach you manners, for example. And if you learn your manners, that will help you to engage with other people in society more effectively. I mean, we see that, but that's also the body of Christ. One of the reasons that the church exists is so that people will have a healthy belonging, a healthy sense of connection to one another. And it's through that belonging or that connection that people grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. It's not just through teaching. It's through being connected to other believers in Jesus, hopefully a few of whom are more mature than you are, that will help you to grow up and become more mature yourself. And that happens not because there's a good teacher, a good trainer. It happens because there's a good, healthy sense of belonging. And in the end as well, belonging then becomes an anchor for us when storms and difficulties come. We have seen Christians who have thrived during lockdown. And they thrived during lockdown because they developed a healthy sense of belonging and connection before the lockdown happened. They were able to endure some of the crises that have come into our world more effectively, more faithfully, and more faith-filledly. They were able to do that because of the belonging and connection that they had to the body of Christ. And if you struggled in that, then it might be because you have not had the degree of belonging that you really need to have. And we can't really blame other people for our lack of belonging. Belonging. You know, Jesus has done everything that we need for us to belong. And we do belong to one another, but we need to nurture that and grow in that belonging. So how, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, one of the things we have to do here in order to grow is to see through some of the illusions of a fractured world outside of Christ that are hindering us or destroying our sense of belonging. And there are three big illusions that the world tries to get us to believe, but they are nothing more than illusions. The first one is the illusion of freedom. I can't tell you the number of people outside of Christ who said, I'm really free. I'm really free. And I look at their lives and I think, no, you're not. You're a slave to sin. You're a slave to Satan. You're a slave to the fads of the world. You are not free. Your freedom is just an illusion. And it's true outside of christ there is no genuine freedom i mean we're determined by our genes we're determined by our upbringing we're determined by our environment we're determined by our choices and we can't step outside of that outside of jesus christ we are slaves to sin we are slaves to the fear or dread of death we are slaves to satan we are slaves to the world all of these influences are in our lives when we don't have Jesus in our lives. And freedom in that context is an illusion. There's also a second illusion, an illusion of independence. Uh, you know, the word independence only occurs one time in the Bible. Only occurs one time. I'm going to tell you that one time. First Corinthians eleven eleven, because you really you need to see this. The one time it occurs, let me read it for you. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. So, the only time the idea of independent occurs in the scripture, it negates the idea. And Paul here is talking about men and women together uh, and just saying, we're not independent. We're not free from one another. Women are not independent of men. Men are not independent of women. And yet there's a lot of attempts in the world to try to make that happen. But all those attempts fail. And we have to understand independence does not equal freedom. You have this sense of independence. Independence means that ultimately you're going to be subject to whatever wind or wave or anything like that comes along. Because by yourself... The storms of the world will blow you around. And we see this right now. You can see this in the states, in, the, in, in, the, in the, the, the arguments between Republicans and Democrats. They're trying to be independent of one another. And because they're trying to be independent of one another and, and set themselves over and against one another, the government is dysfunctional. Now, you might say governments have always been that way, but that is not true. You see this back in the 1990s. You still had the Republicans and the Democrats on either side of the aisle arguing back and forth, but because they understood that they were not independent of each other, but they were both together in one nation, they decided to work together for the good of the nation. And that has to happen in every government. But it's not today because there's this illusion of being independent. There's this other illusion that that we we belong only to ourselves. You know, people say, you know, I'm I'm my own man. But as Paul says, Romans 14, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. I've met a number of guys over the years who said, you know, I'm I'm my own man. You know, I kind of do my own thing. And without fail... I've always found that the man who declares that he's his own man is always reacting against someone or something else, most likely his father. He's not being his own man. He's let his father determine who he's going to be, perhaps in the negative. But he's not being his own man. And that's an illusion that we belong to ourselves, that we are independent, that we are free on our own. And we need to get through those illusions and recognize them for what they are if we are going to experience belonging. Now, the next dynamic here is we must affirm that we belong. We must declare that we belong, realizing that we are not our own. You must declare that you belong, realizing that you are not your own, especially if you're a Christian, but it's true even if you're not a Christian. You do not belong only to yourself. You are not your own. And as long as you try to say, I am my own, I don't belong to anybody, you will never experience the belonging that you long for or that you need. The Bible is clear on this. It says, first of all, if we're Christians, uh, you belong to God. We belong to God. Uh, First Corinthians 620, Paul says this. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God. We belong to God. And this means in part that your value doesn't come because of what you offer either to Jesus or to the world or to other Christians. Your value comes because you belong. You know, think of a parent with a child, a little baby. that baby is not contributing anything. In fact, the baby is taking resources away, yet I've never met a parent who would say, oh, this worthless kid, I thought about throwing it out, but uh, I, I just decided to keep it around, maybe to amount to something one day. Parents don't normally do that. Definitely healthy parents don't. Now we see the worth of the child because the child belongs. Because the child belongs. And that's why when we see children that are orphans that don't seem to belong to anyone, it breaks our heart because we know that's not the way things are supposed to be. We understand this because your value doesn't become, uh, come because of what you offer. It comes because of your belonging. And this has not been always the case globally. This was something revolutionized through the coming of Jesus Christ. This also means, though, that because you don't belong to yourself, you can never spend yourself as you please. We can never do whatever we want to do. Because we don't belong to ourselves. It would be a little bit like uh, me going into your bank account and saying, hey, you know, I'll take uh, 5K, uh, I, I, I think I'll just take that and help myself and, and I'll just spend it. And you say, no, you're not going to do that. It's my bank account. Well, because we belong to God, we can never spend ourselves as we please. It's what Titus was, Paul was saying through, to Titus. He says, Jesus came to purify for himself a people for his own possession, a people to belong to him who are zealous for good works. So you belong to God. You also belong to one another in the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, you belong to other people in the church, and it's not just in the the big C, capital, universal church. You belong to people in the local church. You belong to people in the local church to which God has called you and in which God has placed you. And Paul is clear on this in 1 Corinthians 12. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, oh, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of a body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make that ear any less part of the body. This is the picture of the church. We are one body in Christ Jesus. That means we belong to one another. You know, I can't have this hand go off and do this thing, and this hand go off and do this thing, and expect that my body is going to function properly. My hands need to cooperate with one another, and they need to be listening to my brain In order for my body to be whole and healthy and function appropriately, because this hand belongs to my body, just as this hand belongs to my body, just as this hair belongs to my body, even if I try to take it out. That's the way the body functions, and that is the way the church functions according to Paul. We belong to one another. Now, for example, I am your minister there is a very real sense where i belong to you you can make demands on me sometimes you do i belong to you i don't have the freedom just to go around and say well you know maybe i'll find a bigger church or a better church you know because you know after all i'm just a i'm just a hired hand i'm just a hired helper that's not the reality I'm part of this church. I belong to you. Now, God is free to do a transplant, but it's got to be God that does it. And many churches are torn up because the minister rips himself away from the church. It's not God, it's the minister, not realizing that the minister belongs to the fellowship. Now, I belong to you, but that doesn't mean, and here's where a lot of people get tripped up, in this whole issue around belonging, I belong to you, but it doesn't mean that you own me or that you control me. Belonging and ownership are not the same thing. Belonging and control are not the same thing. I belong to my wife. My wife belongs to me, but that doesn't mean that I say jump and she says, how high? You know, if I say jump like that, she might just, you know, put me down. I don't know. I just, anything, you know, she hates it when I make her sound cruel because she's not cruel. She's never cruel. Uh, And you know, everybody here knows that anyway. But that's not how it works. Belonging doesn't mean control. Belonging doesn't mean ownership. This hand doesn't control this hand. This head controls these two hands, hopefully, most of the time. Sometimes not as well as I'd like. But anyway, hopefully you get the point. We belong to one another. And in this reality, being the church involves creating and sustaining kind of an interdependent pattern of life so that together we follow Jesus and we become mature. That's the idea. We belong to each other, so we work together as one body so that together... As we live out that reality, we all follow Christ and we all become mature. And that will only happen when you belong to the church. And frankly, there are a lot of people out there, we've seen them at City Temple over the years, uh, they're they're present in every, every church, who might be church members, but they don't really belong They've said, you know, I want to belong a little bit, but I want to keep control over my life. I want to belong a little bit, but I want to spend my life like I want to spend my life. You know, I, I want to belong a little bit, but I want to determine what ministry I do. I want to belong a little bit, but I want to determine uh, you know, how I should live in the context of the church. I want to belong a little bit, but I should determine how often I come. I want to belong a little bit, but I should set the terms of that belonging. And it doesn't work that way. We belong to one another in the body of Christ, and we will not fully come into all that God has for us unless we plumb the depths of that belonging and make it real to ourselves. Declare, affirm, I belong to God. I belong to the people of God. Now, obviously, we also belong to our family and to our close friends. Our family and our close friends can make demands on us. You know, For example, the titles mom, dad, their terms of belonging. I, I remember when Karen and I were, were first dating, And uh, Karen's mom just said, oh, you know, Rod, just call me mom or or mom Ballard. And so I did that. And it really hurt my mom, My, my mom, not her mom. Really hurt my mom. I didn't understand it. And one day she just took me aside and gently she said, you know, Rod, you only have one mother. And I'm that person. I'm the one who changed your nappies. I'm the one who cleaned up your vomit. I'm the one who took care of you when you're sick. I'm the one who deserves the title mom because I belong, that's not what she said here, but I belong to you as your mother. And she was absolutely right. She's absolutely right. Or the mother-child relationship. You know, the mother, a lot of times we talk about how our children belong to us. Hey, this is my child. But, Mothers belong to their children just as much as children belong to their mothers. The mother belongs to the child even when the child is in the womb, just as the child belongs to the mom. Now, this, And you say, well, okay, that sounds a little dodgy, but listen to this. Why is it that custody settlements in most places around the world, not every place, but most places around the world, certainly in the West, Custody settlements almost always favor the mother. There's a unique sense of mutual belonging. You know, fathers belong as well. I'm not discounting fathers here at all. But I just wanted to show you the power of this. We belong to our family and our close friends. I've got great friends in the States. Uh, My friend Jeff, Is a friend that's walked with me for, oh gosh, let's see, 40, 45, 47 years. That's longer than many of you have been alive. I mean, he's my friend. We belong to each other. I mean, he often says to me, Rod, you're closer to me than my own brother. There's a belonging there that is not diminished by distance and time. So we belong. We also belong to society particularly our neighbors, just like Paul said. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now we talked about how the church involves creating and sustaining an interdependent pattern of living in which we become stronger as disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, societies do the same thing. Societies exist because they create this interdependency, this relational belonging in the society that creates patterns of living the work week, for example, that enabled the society to function in a healthy way. Excuse me. It's absolutely essential. We belong to society. We also belong to humanity. You know, we share a common humanity. We were all created in the image of God. And every person is a person for whom Christ has died on the cross. And so we belong to humanity. We must affirm, we must declare that we belong. We are not our own. If you don't, you'll never experience the fullness of belonging that God has for you. The final thing here is we need to live out our belonging in Christ as God's children. We not only need to understand how important it is, and get rid of those illusions, or sometimes the delusions that people live under, we, we need to affirm that we are not our own, that we belong. Most importantly, that we as Christians belong to God. But now we need to live it out. We need to live every day as people who belong. So how do we do that? Well, first, we need to take our belongings seriously and obey God. You need to do the things that God has told you to do. If you're a husband or you're a wife, you need to live in faithfulness to your spouse. If you're a husband or a wife, you need to say, I belong to you, you belong to me, and we need to preserve and protect that belonging at all costs. We need to do what God tells us to do. If we're Christians, we need to meet together. Well, by a Zoom is one way we do that, in person is another way, but we need to meet together and keep meeting together because it's one of the ways that we affirm our belonging to one another. We must take the belonging seriously and do what God tells us to do. If we are in society, we belong to this society. While I live here in the United Kingdom, even if I'm not a citizen of the United Kingdom, I belong to the the society of the United Kingdom, to the society of England, to the society of London. And when I engage in work, I need to do it in a God-honoring, God-glorifying, God-obeying kind of way. That's what it means to take it seriously. The second thing here, to live out our belonging, we need to bless those to whom we belong. And I mean actively bless those to whom we belong. It's like Paul was saying here, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. We need to bless those to whom we belong. We do that by honoring them. Honor is showing their worth, showing their value, speaking it out, living like they're really important. We need to do good to them. You know, God has created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so we need to do good to the people to whom we belong. We need to speak well of them. We do good and we speak well and we need to respond to them when they reach out to us. Not react to them out of some emotional tizzy, but respond to them with grace and love when they reach out to us. It doesn't mean we're going to let people control us, but it does mean that we respond. Another way we live out our belonging in Christ as God's children is we welcome others to belong to us. We must welcome others to belong. Churches must welcome others to belong. We do that by showing people hospitality, creating a safe place for them. We break bread together. It's one of my favorite ways that uh, we welcome others to belong is having a meal together, eating together. It's why it's so important in every culture of the world. It's so important. It also means we give attention to those that we are welcoming in. Pay attention to them. Give them attention. We need to also forgive freely. We need to understand if you have bitterness in your life, it will poison all of your belonging. Not just the person that you're holding a grudge against. So you must forgive freely. It's absolutely essential. And when you're engaging in the world, you need to foster healthy belonging in your work and in your other activities and in the society around you. Uh, now, all of our human economies, all of our societies are enveloped in our social relationships. It's all about those social connections. And we need to uh, encourage those social connections and foster health in those social connections if we want our work, if we want our activities in society to be effective. One of the real problems in the world today is that people are uh, cutting themselves off from social connections, only connecting with people that echo their same feelings and emotions rather than opening themselves up to social connections and developing new social connections with people around them. And these connections will help promote health in our society. One of the the great deceptions of some of the social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram is that they mimic social relationships in order to monetize them. But they're not really creating genuine social relationships. You know, every year, uh, and I, I hope that some of the people who do this aren't watching, Every year for my birthday, I get all these people from Facebook. They, you know, as they say, Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. And I do that to other people too, when that pops up. And and some of those, you know, the only reason they say happy birthday is because they got a notification that everybody else is saying happy birthday, right? Now, there's no illusion that I carry. I, I appreciate the birthday wishes, but there's a no illusion that I carry that I really belong to most of those people who are saying, happy birthday to me. It's not a real social relationship. It's a connection. It's called a friend, but it's not a real friend by any biblical understanding of that word. In most cases, not in all cases. But that's what's happening and it's creating this deception about what belonging really is And if we're going to live out our belonging as as Christians, then we need to bless and release people to empower new means of belonging. Let me explain this. Now here at City Temple, if you've been part of the church for a length of time, you know that we encourage people who want to leave the church to tell us that they're leaving and let us pray for them and bless them in a Sunday service. Uh, and I'm really surprised sometimes how few people actually do this. But why do we do that? It's because we don't own anybody. We value their belonging, but we realize that in some cases, you know, some of these aspects of belonging are transitory. Some people move to new places. God calls them to new communities of faith. It happens, but we believe that if they come and we pray for them and bless them and release them, what it does, it will empower them to belong to wherever God has called them more fruitfully and effectively. And you know what? We have seen over the years where people have not done this, that it tends to hinder their belonging in the new church that they go to. And I've seen this quite a number of times. I could give examples, but uh, I don't think I should. But this happens. Uh, And we do this all the time. If you think about it, if you think about a traditional wedding service, what is that all about? One of the parts of the weddings, uh, a a marriage service, a wedding service, that a lot of people today leave out, but so many still find important, and I agree it's very important, is what's called the giving away of the bride. And you know, a lot of of women, they're like, hey, you know, you don't own me, Papa. So, you know, you can't give away what you don't own. Uh, You know, and, and some women bristle against that. But actually, it's a very holy thing. Because what's happening? It is not a declaration that the father owns the bride. It is not a declaration of that, although it might have been in some contexts, in some societies, it never really was. What it is, is the husband, the, the father saying, I am going to bless you and release you, my daughter, so that now you can belong to this man fully and freely as God intended. And in many, in many services, uh, the mother of The groom is also doing that, either symbolically or or quite clearly in the service. What is happening here is there's a blessing and a releasing that empowers a new way of belonging. And the amazing thing is that when you bless and release people into a new sense of belonging, it actually nurtures a healthier sense of belonging in yourself. That's why we don't hold on selfishly. Belonging is so important. Realizing that we belong to God, we are not our own. Realizing that we belong to one another in the body of Christ, we are not our own. Realizing that we belong to our families and friends, we are not our own. Realizing that we belong to society and we belong to humanity, we are not our own, is not restricting, but ultimately it is freeing. It enables us to live in the freedom of who we are in Christ Jesus. And it enables us to discover who God has created us to be. And it enables us to live more fruitfully and more effectively, not only in the home, not only in the church, but even in the workplace, even in the society around us, so that we become real agents empowered by the Holy Spirit to the glory of God in Jesus Christ, real agents of change. We belong to one another. We belong to God and Jesus Christ. So let's together dive into God's different. Father God, we love you and we worship you and we thank you. I pray, Father, that you'd move in our hearts and our minds and help us to understand the fullness of what you're saying to us. The reality of how we belong to God. The reality of how we belong to one another in the body of Christ. Help us know and live it out fruitfully, joyfully, meaningfully, to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.